Well, welcome back. This is Rick Peterson. I'm looking forward to our time together. I wish we were in person. I wish I could see all your faces. Wish I could answer your questions in real time. But we're going to do the next best thing. We're going to continue to uh, look at the text of Scripture as it was intended to be heard and read and read and heard. And that is in its entirety. Now, that's going to take some discipline on your part and my part. Uh, we live in a very fast-paced society, as you well know. We eat fast food. We watch uh, fast uh, uh, sitcoms, short sitcoms. We are inundated by brief commercials. Um, life just tends to be quite fast-paced in the American uh, society. And we want early, quick results. And, um, uh, and that doesn't lend itself to mental health. It doesn't lend itself to spiritual growth. It doesn't lend itself to quality relationships. So what I, I'm going to ask you to do is slow down a little bit and pause. And I'm not going to give you uh, any uh, devotional, fast-paced, um, fast food type of readings. Uh, we're, we're going to spend some concerted time uh, listening to the text. I'll comment as it seems warranted. Uh, I'm not interested in you just hearing my opinion. And this devotional way of approaching the text is really costing the average Christian uh, a lot these days. And and you can find devotionals. You can go to a thrift store and there will be a dozen different devotionals, Christian devotionals on the bookshelf. Um, and there's more coming out all the time. And they typically have one or two passages. And and then you read, largely written, uh, written out of context, by the way. And then you read two or three paragraphs uh, about that individual author's take on that passage. And I, there is some there's some inherent value in that, but it's like snacking instead of having a meal. It's like grabbing a, uh, a piece of string cheese instead of actually sitting down and having a meal. And we can't live on snacks. We can't live on that kind of uh, morsels. We have to be take the time to prepare a meal, a healthy meal, sit down and actually take it in and then uh, allow ourselves to digest that and, and get the full benefit to our body in the same way is for our spiritual body. We have to be prepared to slow down, to take in the content and to let it, let it digest, let it assimilate into our spiritual body, our minds and spirits and even our physical body, will all benefit from doing so. So, uh, that said, I'm going to read you today Second John, and I'm going to read you, read it to you as is more likely as it was first heard by its readers. And that is, we're going to read it all at once, and now I'll make comments, I'll interject from time to time as it warrants, and as it feels that the Spirit is leading but I, I just want you to, most importantly, I, I want you to hear John. And, and even more importantly than John, I want you to hear the voice of the Spirit in the text. Let me just emphasize that for just a quick moment. I want you to hear the voice of the Spirit in the text. Um, there's nothing more important 
than you developing a sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your mind and heart and responding accordingly. And there's no better way, in fact, I don't know of any other way to do that than to spend concerted time in the text, prayerfully and uh, with good attention given to the text. So, okay, with all that said, let's let's begin the letter of Second John. It's only 13 verses, so we'll have a brief time today, but I believe it will be beneficial. The elder, to the lady chosen by God, and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth, in love. So let's begin, let me interject, that there's one word here in these first three verses that we've already heard four times. And that is truth. This is a theme of John in all his writings. Verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his commandment is that you walk in love. Now, as brief as this short little letter is, it is divided up into two pretty distinct sections here. The first, verse six, is we just, verse six verses... <laughs> <laughs> we just read. And that has a clear theme, as I just said, truth. Truth as it relates to obedience. And obedience as it relates to love. So let's say it this way. If you are really a truth seeker, if you really have a hunger to know the truth, you cannot and must not separate truth from obedience, and obedience from love. Truth, obedience, and love are distinct, but they are inseparable in the Christian life. Let me say that again. Truth, obedience, and love are distinct, but they are inseparable in the Christian life. And John is excited. He's delighted. It gives him great joy to know that some of the lady's children are walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And he knows that they're walking in the truth because he's heard reports that they're walking in obedience, in love. And so he's reminding them. He's affirming them. I ask that we love one another. That's the command. That's the command that they'd all heard from the beginning. And this is love. 
So he goes on to define love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his commandment is that you walk in love. So there's a great insight right there that John gives us. Truth, obedience, and love characterize the Christian life. So let me ask you, does truth, obedience, and love characterize your life? Does it characterize the fellowship that you have at your church? Has it been your experience that truth, obedience, and love characterizes the American scene when it comes to Christianity? When you think of American Christianity, do you think of truth? Do you think of obedience or love? Or do you think of something else? When I think of American Christianity, sadly these days, I think of money. I think of celebrities. I think of mega churches. I think of a lot of selfish ambition being displayed. But I don't think necessarily of truth, obedience, and love as characterizing American Christianity. But we can start here today, you and I, to repent of that, of any association with that. Which brings us to verse 7 through 13. John adds, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greeting. End quote. End of letter. So the first section is written to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom John loves in truth. And not only John, but also all who know the truth, love this group of Christians because of the truth, which lives in us. So truth is something that dwells within you as a Christian and will be with you forever. The question is, are you tapping into it? You know, there is a lot of conflicting information these days. I mean, you can turn on Fox News, or you can turn on MMS, MSNBC, you can turn on some, some right-wing webcast, or you can turn on a left-wing webcast, 
and you're going to get two very opposing versions of the truth. You can turn on different radio programs, different television news programs, and you're going to get various versions of the truth. And it's almost mind-boggling how different these people are, the things that they are saying, and yet most of them insist that they're telling you the truth. Some of them, with, with a real slant, well, here's the real truth. But for you and I as Christians, we don't belong to all of that noise. We, we don't, we ought not at least, identify too greatly with all of that political, social, and, um, and uh, ph philosophical news and noise. There's a lot of lying going on in the world. That's pretty much all the fallen nature of human, humanity can do is lie. But here we are discovering that the Christian life is, is characterized by truth. And it's, but here's the important thing. It is a truth that is not of this world. It is a truth that does not originate from this world. It comes to us from heaven. It has appeared in the incarnation of Jesus. In the incarnation of the Son of God. And it's to him we look and to him alone for the truth. In fact, when we are devoted to the truth that is in Jesus, it becomes the standard by which all other claims to truth are judged. And so, there's two things happening here. John is rejoicing in his fellowship with this group of Christians. He's reminding them that truth is something we are to walk in, it lives in us, and that it is connected with love and obedience. And he's also reminding us that any form or alternative form of Christianity, any form of religion that presents itself as Christianity, that is not characterized by truth, Obedience in love is, is the deception. And he says in verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. What does it mean to not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh? It means to deny the fullness of his humanity to deny that he came to redeem us in our humanity so that we come to know and experience in an existential way what it means to be truly human. And what does it mean to be truly human? To walk as Jesus walked. Let me say that again. What does it mean to be truly human? It means to walk as Jesus walked, in truth, obedience, and love. And then John tells us that because there's these deceivers in the world who are a prelude to the Antichrist, that we should watch out, that we do not lose what we have worked for, 
but that you may be rewarded fully. There's something here we must work for. There's something here we must continue to work out. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching, excuse me, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Recently, I did another episode in which we talked about who is a Christian and who is not. There's no, no place better, more succinctly, and more clearly to define that for you than in these letters of John. And he just did it again. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. What teaching of Christ? The teaching about Christ, the teaching that comes from Christ, everything that has to do with the apostolic witness to Jesus Christ, which we have already summarized, haven't we? as truth, obedience, and love. If anyone comes to you then and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Boy, would we, would we save ourselves a lot of pain by taking John's uh, exhortation here, his command. Do not take them into your house or welcome them. In our postmodern society, we have raised tolerance to the level of a virtue so that we are pretty much willing to tolerate anything and then be very proud of ourselves for having done so. But here John is saying that truth, obedience, and love also mean that we have solid limits and boundaries with whom and to whom we will identify. We're not just going to run around and fellowship with anyone who calls himself a Christian. We're not going to just run around and listen to any preacher who calls his or herself uh, a minister or a teacher or a preacher. We're going to be wise. We're going to be discerning. discerning. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house. Or welcome them. Why not? Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So truth, obedience, and love do not necessitate that we have some kind of blind openness. Rather, truth, obedience, and love mean that we have boundaries. We have spiritual boundaries. We know the truth. We know that truth involves obedience and love. And if somebody's preaching some other gospel and even claims to be telling you the truth, and obedience and love are not coming out of their teaching, then simply have nothing to do with them. Period. Well, what if I'm accused of being mean? Well, then you're accused of being mean. But you're not being mean. You're being discerning. You're honoring the Lord by not fellowshipping with anyone who comes down the pike who says, I am a preacher of God. If that were the case, if we were to exercise that kind of discernment, I think 
most of the Christian television stations and most of the televangelists would go broke overnight. And I don't know about you, but that'd be okay with me. <laughs> and then finally, he says in verse 12, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. Writing a letter is a good way to communicate. But here John is saying the ideal way, the most important way, the most beneficial way is face to face. And I wish, we, I wish you and I could do that more. And perhaps we will someday. I don't know what the Lord has for us. But as good as these broadcasts are and can be, and I hope they are beneficial to you, uh, it would be better to meet face-to-face. That's what John is saying here. Presence, as Gordon Fee once said, presence is a delicious word. (laughs) We gain the most of our fellowship when we are in presence with one another, when we are present to each other. To love is to be present and to be attentive to the relationship. And we can crowd into these big barns and these stockyards called megachurches and we can sit shoulder to shoulder with people for an hour and a half and maybe greet them, smile politely, even shake their hand. Uh, but we're not present to them and they're not present to us. In fact, one of the ways if you want to maintain anonymity in your life, you can attend a big box church and find you can maintain your anonymity. You never have to get close or vulnerable to anyone. But that's not the way of the Apostle here. He says, instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face. Face to face. Not shoulder to shoulder, not back to back. Face to face. Which implies, of course, eye contact. Mutual conversation. Listening as well as talking. And the result will be mutual joy. And then he closes, the children of your sister, who are, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. The sister, the chosen, the children of your sister. We don't know if that's a literal lady and a literal sister, or John's using that metaphorically to speak of the church itself. He may have been. But it's still a very relational term, isn't it? Sister. He didn't say, your fellow churches within the Ephesus network. <laughs> Which had been fine, I guess. But, uh, or your fellow Baptist churches, or your fellow Presbyterian church. He's, no, no. Your sister. Your children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greeting. So that's 2 John. What have you heard today? What have you heard? What are the three characteristics of the Christian life, the authentic Christian life? And what does it mean that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? 
Are you aware that there are deceivers in the world? Are you aware that we have to watch out for those people? And if you run into one, are you aware now that you are to not associate with them, let alone invite them into your home? I hope so. I want your joy to be complete. I do these broadcasts with a very deliberate intention, and that is to bring you into, help bring you into spiritual and mental and relational health. So I'm very, I'm very deliberate and very serious, but I'm also very joyful about spending this time with you. So may the Lord bless you and strengthen you. I hope you listen to this a few times. Let it, let it sink down. Uh, read that letter, Second John. Read it to yourself three or four times. Let it sink way down. And let the Lord strengthen and encourage you and come to know the voice of the Spirit in this text. Amen.